Hello, everybody. It's Dave Neal, stand-up comic and host of Bachelor Nation News. It's January 23rd, Monday, and guess what? It's premiere day on Bachelor Rush Hour. You guys excited for tonight? You got your charcuterie boards ready? Have you primped up your roses and gotten ready to watch with popcorn and bated breath as Zach Shellcross tries to find love? Will love be found on The Bachelor? Is the show relying on a great love story? All of this and more to get into on today's episode of Bachelor Rush Hour. I've got four clips I'm going to be playing for you. The first one will be commenting on whether or not the producers actually feel like the show will be down in the dumps as far as ratings concerned. So we're going to get into that. And then I've got this crazy event that happened in Dubai between all the Bachelor influencers that were there, Beyonce receiving $24 million to perform for one hour. And uh, we get into some of the sort of ramifications that might exist to influencers who take money from possible problematic places. So we'll get into that as well. Plus a full review at the end of tonight's episode. So let's get into it. Without further ado, here's our first clip of the day. And before I forget, let me remind you guys, I know you're already listeners of the Rush Hour podcast, but tomorrow I'm going to have an exclusive Bachelor Rush Hour recap that'll take what I normally give to the YouTube audience around 15 minutes of quality content, irreverent banter, notes that I had from the show. I'm going to extend that a little bit longer and give you guys a little bit more info. Plus, maybe we'll have some celebrity friends call in. That'll be on tomorrow's episode of Bachelor Rush Hour, so don't miss it. And also, if you haven't already done so, to show your love and support for the channel, the best thing you can do is hit the follow button, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and don't forget to rate and review. We're at about 500 or so. Just incredible. We need to keep growing on that front, so the Apple Podcast app keeps promoting promoting us essentially to new audience. The more audience we get, maybe someday we'll be able to hire a producer and, you know, keep growing the channel. So much appreciation for all of you guys out there. All right. Without further ado, is the show going to be canceled? Let's have a listen. Say your goodbyes. The Bachelor execs are bracing for the worst ratings ever in Zach Shellcross's season and fear show could be canceled. Now we have to remember the show in the last four years or so, has been on a decline, as has all terrestrial TV. TV that's on ABC, the networks, Fox, those shows have statistically just gone not necessarily downhill as far as quality. They've already, they've always been kind of hogwash, but there's so many more shows you can watch. Jeez, the show I'm watching on HBO, I think it's called The Last of Us. It's like this zombie mushroom show. If you told me I would be loving a show where mushrooms come out of people's noses, I'd be like, what kind of vegan BS is this? But it's actually pretty good. The point being is that the internet's scattered. They've changed the way they do the ratings. No one, no one wants to do Nielsen ratings anymore. So it's easy to post these articles and make these YouTube videos saying the show's being canceled. But is it really? And well, let's see. The Bachelor execs are fearing the worst ratings ever for Zach's upcoming season. The the U.S. Sun has exclusively revealed. Um, they can't even spell this right. The U.S. Sun has exclusively reveal <laughs> garbage oh boy we, people you know they call me rubbish i'll tell you what that's rubbish dave this is a rubbish article here how can we trust it when the title's wrong bachelor zach 26 years young was first introduced to fans as a contestant on gabby and rachel's season of the bachelorette but bosses are worried he is not the engaging lead the franchise needs hey you guys hired him you, what are you doing with zach execs fear they really made the wrong choice because there hasn't been any indicators people care even with with past seasons when viewers hated who was chosen as the lead, that drove a passionate outcry on social media or some kind of uproar online. There was an indicator people cared, even if they didn't love it or they hated it, they cared. Now, with my own sort of 
thinking here, comparing it to Clayton, I don't know if people were as, I don't, I don't think people were cared about Clayton either. But then, of course, they did the season previews and crazy things started happening and people watched. We'll get into an, an article after this where it says Clayton Eckert saved the show. According to the source, which again could be an intern, uh, someone in the mailroom, executives are worried about the lack of social media engagement ahead of the season 27 premiere on January 23rd. That's today. It's been minimal at best for what engagement they were hoping to get leading up to the premiere. And remember, Clayton also didn't have any engagement leading up to his season. He's got a small following. He was barely known. And Zach is barely known because they had to split up the time between Rachel and uh, Gabby. So, of course, also in a similar boat where we just don't know Zach too well. The show has clearly had its ups and downs, but this is the first time the big bosses are actually fearful ABC is going to pull the plug. The Bachelor has been a downhill mess that they are trying to keep from falling even farther down, but execs are preparing this premiere to be the lowest in the show's history. Meanwhile, production is still said to be a mess following host Chris Harrison's behind-the-scenes exit in 2021. There is no clear direction of the show, and the crew is exhausted dealing with the never-ending drama. Okay, the crew is exhausted dealing with the never-ending drama. Now, the crew is cashing their paychecks. They show up to work like any other gig. The union crew clocks in at a certain time, and they leave at a certain time. They get their bonuses. They get their percent raises every year. Now, this is garbage. They are working hard and feel their finished product isn't worth what they're put there. Okay, so this is so apparently when it was you know pilot Pete season, they felt some sort of um, I don't know uh, uh, respect for the finished product they put through. Well, we you know on Hannah Ann season, we really uh, the cinematography of the windmill where they banged in was really uh, just. No, come on. This is, they know what they're creating. Everyone on set loves Jesse Palmer. There's no doubt he's done a good job. He's very professional and kind. I agree there. Jesse Palmer has been as good a host as they could have anticipated uh, following Chris Harrison, in, including Caitlin and Tasha. Uh, Chris, uh, Jesse Palmer, even though folks like Nick Vial weren't sure, like, what credentials does he have as a football analyst? Jesse Palmer's knocked it out of the park. He's done everything he's been asked to do. Zach the Batch, season 26 of The Bachelor starring Clayton Eckerd, received 3.54 million viewers for its premiere. Again, does this account for Hulu and all of the other? I mean, The Bachelor subreddit has never been bigger. The people talking about the show has never been bigger. Content creators like myself have never had more views. Um, it was down from 5.23 million the previous season starring Matt James. Of course, Matt James' season was... Um, the first Bachelor during the pandemic. We have to remember that. After Zach was announced as the next Bachelor in September, he received some negative reactions on social media. Dear God, he's boring. The Bachelor new season is boring, boring, boring. Be vulnerable. Despite the backlash, Zach shared a message for the upcoming contestants. Come into this ready for love, he told his potential fiance. It's really important to let yourself be vulnerable. If you let yourself be true, be open to finding love, it can happen. And this next clip is going to trigger some people because, you know, every single negative review we get on this podcast is people telling me to leave politics out of The Bachelor. And, you know, I think most issues that I have are more class-based than political. But, you know, everything sounds political when it's not, you know, when it's something controversial. In this next clip, I'm going to do my best I can to talk about some geopolitical issues uh, with the Saudi government, with the United Arab Emirates, and how the U.S. plays a part and also the money that influencers take that comes from companies and countries that don't exactly live up to a human rights standard, we would hope they do. So it's complicated. I find it fascinating. If you need to jump forward for the next 12 minutes, you can go do that. But for those that actually want to listen to a maybe a nuanced conversation about some of the issues that are out there, have a listen. 
We have plenty of Bachelor alumni hanging out in Dubai. Again, I'm not judging them one bit. We're just wondering, were they selling influence in Dubai? And if so, is that problematic? And you might ask why that would be. We'll get to that in a second. So here's Cassie Randolph, good friend Cassie. She says, nothing powers you through jet lag like FOMO, Atlantis, the Royal. The Royal. So uh, they've opened a new Atlantis in Dubai and just about every notable bachelor alumni is gone from Taisha to Cassie to Matt James. And here's Taisha doing her dang thing, as Kufrin likes to say, with a nice little loofah sleeve white tuxedo happening there. Very nice. You wouldn't want to just you wouldn't want to have a vodka crayon if you're wearing this outfit. That's all I can say. Someone bipes into you, then you need some OxyClean. So there's Tasha with her mom. And of course, she said, last night was a dream. Hashtag Atlantis the Royal. So these are, of course, sponsored trips. Matt James is here. And here's Beyonce. Jason Tartik was also there. Of course, um, Rachel Kirk Connell. This is the end of a this is the end of a one hour concert of course everyone's like oh my gosh amazing look let me let me let me tell you this i'm sure it was amazing i'm sure it was absolutely incredible claire crowley posts not a dubai sunset of course she's at some resort not a dubai sunset so the question remains what is the big deal beyonce divides fans with dubai atlantis royal live show beyonce has returned to the stage for her first live performance in five years but not everyone's excited the u.s megastar headlined the private concert in dubai to mark the opening of luxury hotel atlantis the royal despite a strict no phones policy at the exclusive 1500 seat gig footage of the show flooded the internet many fans were thrilled to see the return of queen b but others weren't happy because dubai has strict laws against same-sex relationships so the idea of buying influence with western culture is the idea that these events um, are used as a tourism sort of boom to get people to come to the city. Now you might say, well, if a private hotel decided to put this on, what's the big deal? Well, a lot of times these are state-sponsored events that are, that are sort of masked as private events. So the state-sponsored events are there to get people to come over. We saw this in Qatar this past uh, World Cup, which is the biggest sporting event in the world. They are not part of um, the United A- uh, Arab Emirates. They are that's Saudi Arabia. I'm, excuse me. Qatar is part of United Arab Emirates, but also the Saudis have been under fire for the golf tournament, Live Golf, which they've literally taken millions of dollars and given it like they offered Tiger Woods a billion dollars. A one billion dollars is incredible. Live Golf is sports washing, says its detractors, using sport to cover up Saudi Arabia's appalling human rights record. Well, does the United Arab Emirates have the same appalling human rights record as Saudi Arabia? Maybe not, but is homosexual sexuality illegal in that country? Yes. And are we in a place as Americans to dictate what other countries do with their policies? Not necessarily. We've been, we, we have sponsored, uh, we have uh, done state sponsored regime change wars where we go into places and, and change their lifestyle and flip things over and get rid of their dictators. We've done that. Now you might argue it's for promoting democracy, but a lot of times it happens in countries where there's a lot of oil. And of course we have our friends. I say this in quotes, our friends, the United, excuse me, Saudi Arabia, who is the largest exporter of petroleum in the world. And also they, of course, uh, you know, murdered um, Khashoggi, a journalist. They uh, uh, at uh, their embassy in in, uh, Istanbul, uh, cut him up into pieces and carried him out in bags. That is not good. That, of course, is not a good thing. That is Saudi Arabia. That is not United Arab Emirates. But they are not 
terribly far apart. So a lot of the issues that people have with the Middle East need to be thought of as issues with the governments and not the people. This is not a people problem. The this so so when people you know it can be harsh to criticize certain parts of the world, especially coming from a place where we have been the sort of people that have been in the front of uh, senseless wars and things like that. So uh, it's a discussion worth having. But I'm going to try my best to keep from judgment, but also look at it because yeah. Beyonce should get criticized for cashing in $34 million in a country where, uh, in the United States, a big portion of her audience are gay people, people of the LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQIA plus community, <laughs> a lot of letters. Um, so her album, she, she didn't need the money. Freelance music journalist Abigail Firth tells BBC News Beyonce's recent work is indebted to LGBT culture. This might explain why some fans are uncomfortable about her making uh, her uh, live return in Dubai and reportedly receiving $24 million for it, which, of course, if uh, you took that money and divided it amongst the 1,500 quote-unquote influencers that attended the events, that's like each of them getting $20,000. Now, what they probably got was a free flight, a free all-paid weekend, plus guest, and they got to go and stay at this new resort but of course it comes at a price which is the following so if you are following any of these contestants and you are not happy with what they're doing with their influence that's on you to say something now and i'm not i'm not promoting right here any sort of canceling of any of these people it's just a part of like the conversation you have to have if you're going to take the money you kind of get scrutinized for it so rebel wilson of course famous actress uh, from Australia was under fire over hypocritical posts celebrating lavish Dubai weekend because you can't just go to the event. No, you have to post. You can't just go to the event and just and just say, "Oh, I had a fun time at Beyonce." You have to post at Atlantis. You have to post here, Tasha. Hashtag Atlantis the Royal. The, this is part of the contract. You can come as long as you say you are here. This is like having a friend that you don't like, but they're worth a lot of money. They're like, want to come on my boat? And you're like, "Man, I really hate hanging out with um, uh, you know, uh, Trevor." But um, you know. He's got a nice boat, so I guess I'll go. Oh, but I have to take a photo with Trevor? Okay, well, it's Trevor's birthday. He's paying for the trip. I guess we have to do it. But Trevor, of course, is Dubai, which doesn't let gay people sort of have the same human rights as straight. So the Aussie, and this is a tough conversation to have, folks. Very tough. I'm sure I've messed it up in one way or another, but hey, we're having the convo. The Aussie actress has been branded a hypocrite after sharing a gushing post about her weekend at an ultra-exclusive new resort. Rebel Wilson is facing backlash among her. And again, would this article be about Bachelor 2? Yes, but they're not as famous as Rebel Wilson. So I feel like uh, so many influencers were there that the main people that are receiving the hate for it is Beyonce because she doesn't need the money. And and then, and then others might say, well, Dave, you have an iPhone that's made in China where, you know, uh, people are working barely above slave labor or at slave labor. I understand the issue we have. I understand the problem with capitalism and money moving overseas because then they don't have to, you know, corporations don't have to have the same human rights um, uh, standards that we have here and minimum wages and this and that. I understand the hypocrisy. The couple who recently, okay, so anyway, she received uh, some hate there. And then we, like we, like I said, how does this relate to live golf and how does this relate to the World Cup in Qatar? It relates in the sense that um, in with Live Golf, it's sports washing, but it's essentially a country normalizing its belonging in Western culture without living up to the standard of equality as it exists in Western culture. The equality of same-sex marriage, the equality of, and again, things we have things that are we have problems here, but we also have gay bars that you're allowed to go into. 
Now, it wasn't but a few decades ago that we had the storming of police into gay bars, breaking things up. There's still tragedies that happen uh, with regards to class systems and homophobia and things like that. It still exists in our country, absolutely. But legally, we still have free speech. Legally, we still have inequality that exists that doesn't exist in other places. And I have been critical of this in the past. Just uh, last year, during the Olympics, uh, two videos here, but I made plenty more on the Dave Neal Show. American Olympian Eileen Gu cashes in while competing for China in Olympics. American Eileen Gu wins gold for China, but did Chinese Olympic Committee poach her at age 15? Now, how does it all tie together? How does what's going on in the, the UAE tie into China? Well, this, it ties in because it's the same sports washing. It's the sta- same influencer washing. Um, Eileen Gu is born and raised in California. She trained for the Olympics in California. She goes to school at Stanford in California. And yet her mom's from China and she had the right or ability to switch her nationality to Chinese to go win a gold medal for them. And you might say, well, but Dave, this happens all the time. Yeah, you, you people switch their nationality to compete in the Olympics only when they can't make it within in their own country. Now, Eileen Gu is the best in the world at what she does, which is freestyle skiing. She is the best in the world. And she has received millions of dollars by being a cover girl. She's like the Chinese National Bank. She's the cover girl. She's literally bought and paid for by China to be the face of their sport after uh, receiving all of the money and training and all of that in the U.S. So it's an insult f- uh, for that to happen because it is, like we said, sports washing in this case, where they say, look, we, you know, we're competing where they've also, you know, not spoken about a lot of the issues they've had with human rights over there with regards to locking people up with COVID and the Uyghur um, Muslim community being uh, go- going to these internment camps where they're sort of forced to like learn how to be, Amer- uh, learn how to be Chinese. And I understand the issue. We- we've been watching Yellowstone, uh, the 1923 version, which actually stars Cassie Randolph's sister, Michelle Randolph. And in that show, they highlight the horrific re-education of natives in the United States. I understand. I understand that no country out there is clean of some of these issues, but alas, we still discuss them. So yeah, Beyonce, she's um, gonna have to face some fire. I'm sure it won't be that much. I'm sure it won't affect her bottom dollar, but there she is. Uh, you know, although I wouldn't want to mess with the LGBTQ community because they are they are one that is known to make their case heard with um with you know uh you know uh making making sure that they're not you know we we we've talked in the past about queer baiting and the idea that um queer baiting is a term that was used when films would promote a queer love story and use a potential queer love story to sell tickets to a queer audience and then find out that that queer love story did not exist. Well, if Beyonce's or part of her audience is is queer uh, and she then goes and performs for a lot of money in a country that doesn't give equal rights to uh, queer people, then we see what the problem is. And the same thing goes to say for the influencers that also possibly sold their influence in Dubai. And as a Bachelor News channel, we discuss this through the eyes of what's happening in Bachelor Nation. Now, this next clip I was actually not going to share with the Bachelor Rush Hour community. I was going to let it live on YouTube. But we talk about inner child work. And I tell you, I think more people need to hear these types of conversations that folks like Clayton Eckerd and Caitlin Bristow are having. So for that reason, I'm going to I'm gonna play this for you now. We talk about body dysmorphia. Clayton mentions that. And he also asks people to, hey, be kind to Zach out there. So it's all about... It's all- 
for others. And I got to tell you, the more love you share with others, the more it comes right back to you. It's self-serving, folks. The more love you feel in your bones, the more likable and the more prosperous, prosperous I think you'll be. So it's one of those things, uh, you know, Einstein's favorite quote. Someone said, hey, what's the, what's, the, what's the most interesting thing you've ever said, right? And he said, you know, he asked a question that we all have that you have to ask yourself. Do I, live, do I live in a friendly world or an unfriendly world? And um, it seems like someone like Clayton, who's been in the position he's been in with the scrutiny he's received, he's decided to live in a friendly world. Unfortunately, with Instagram and using social media, some people's negativity gets into your DMs, and it's important to speak from the rooftops that we need to uh, do better than that. So have a listen. All right, so Clayton talked about body dysmorphia. We'll get into that in a second. But here's what he had to say to Zach and to the audience. Good luck to this man tonight as he navigates the wild world of reality TV, that man being Zach Shawcross. Something to keep in mind, he, along with the contestants, are human. So before you press send on a message voicing your displeasure for one of them, ask yourself how you would feel if someone posted that exact message about a loved one of yours. If the thought doesn't make you feel good, then consider not posting it, or at least don't share your negative thoughts publicly. As the contestants and or their loved ones do see them, and your words do leave an impact. I recommend instead sending the contestants a positive message into their DMs showing support. Those messages went a long way for me. Yeah, it's that whole idea of like, well, do you want to live in an echo chamber? Well, sometimes, yeah, if the echo chamber involves people not harassing me, my loved ones, my mom, my siblings, you know, that, you know, wouldn't that be nice? We've literally seen the psychopathic nature that exists with very few, yet it, you know, with, so if, if 5 million people watch this show and, and your mom gets a hundred DMs saying, oh, you're a horrible person, that's still crazy, right? That's crazy that we live in a society where someone on the show can do something you like or dislike and you can go to Shanae's page and see who her dad is and send him messages like, you raised a daughter like this. That's what I consider to be batshit wild. And of course, people of course say that through the anonymity of um, the safety of a private DM on Instagram. No one says that to anybody's face and yet it still hurts. It still hurts. So Clayton said this about body dysmorphia. He said, body dysmorphia is a tricky matter. He posted this photo of him guessing as a young teen here, skinny boy. We see what others don't, but can't seem to convince our minds otherwise. I remember seeing this picture back when it was first taken and being ashamed with how my body looked. I thought my stomach area sides looked fat. I look at it now and see a kid that was skinny, but could have benefited from putting on some good weight. But back then, my eyes saw it differently. And now today, I sometimes see myself in the mirror and feel that I could benefit from losing weight. But no matter if I gain or lose, the body dysmorphia persists. It feels like a game I can't win. I've tried to beat it over the years by amassing as much muscle as I can while cutting body fat. I've even gotten down to 10% body fat and still thought I was fat. Not even the numbers can convince me. I've learned to better manage body dysmorphia. I'm not sure it's something you ever truly overcome, but I'm holding out hope. I know where I must get to, to love my body for what it, for what it was, is, and will be. I hope to see that day, but until then, I wish to share my story with you all, to use my voice to help someone else find theirs. And of course, Clayton is, you know, he played professional football and he's strong and big and tall and all these things. And yet at the same time, he, like many other people, look at himself in the mirror and doesn't love what he sees or thinks that what he sees isn't a reflection of what he is. Oh, I could get rid of this. We are our own worst critic. We normally will will not look. I mean, he's a beast. Look, he barely fits through the thing. He's just, you know, he's he's in fantastic shape. But we look at ourselves in a way that is 
usually harsher than other people would judge us. You know, I've actually got this podcast up on Man- Mandy Martino's podcast page called Misery Loves Mandy, where I talked about my own, you know, sort of body dysmorphia that I feel. And I think a lot of people do, but I talked about, um, you know, not liking certain things as I've aged, not liking, you know, the, uh, my, my lifestyle sort of got sedentary the second half of the pandemic in that I was working from home and sitting down all day. You know, they say sitting is the new smoking, right? So now I stand up, I try to walk I got my Apple watch to make sure I get my steps in. So for me, the healthy version of body dysmorphia, if there is a healthy way to control it, is to just try to put good food in your body and try to be less worrisome about the outcome. Now, with that said, do I still weigh myself every couple of days? Yes, I still, um, you've seen how I look with the analytics of the YouTube channel. I like numbers. But um, if I went from 195 pounds down to 183, which is what I've done so far in January by cutting out sugar, um, I really wanted to be at 175, but I go, well, you know, maybe I put on more muscle in my legs than I used to. You know, your body sort of changes, your hips get bigger. You, you put on, as men, men put on muscle in a different way. Like I couldn't, you couldn't, I couldn't put weight on when I was a teen and now it's hard to get it off. And I think a lot of people have those same problems. So, you know, I think the way to overcome it isn't necessarily to say, oh, there's no problem at all with my body, but it's to say, okay, look, here's how I am. I am the type to overanalyze things. How do I combat that versus trying to just shame myself into not thinking that way? And again, there's probably different ways to go about it, but I think the way Clayton's going about it is to say, look, I know I have body dysmorphia. That's going to exist. There's something that exists within me that felt this way from a kid. My mom always joked that her mom used to tell her a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. My mom had a problem, you know, I would say probably has a problem with um, with uh, consumption the way that I do. You know, some people have problems with alcohol. Some people have all these other problems. And, you know, it's you're, you're meant to know you have issues. When you think you don't, that's probably someone who's blind to them and then trying to overcome them. So for me, the healthy way to overcome my issues is to say, I need to run more. I need to do body weight workouts, not because of the way I'll look in the mirror so much as the way it my brain feels because, you know, we release dopamine when we work out and get fresh air and ground ourselves. And, you know, I, I live in a major city and it's, it's sometimes you don't touch grass for weeks on end and you need to remember to roll in the grass and love who you are. And so we talk about how inner child work enables healing and playful discovery, this article here, which Caitlin Bristow posted this three days ago, going to go love on her for a week. And by her, she means her younger yourself. Um, and what a lot of people realize is that we had a certain joy as children and we beat it out of us in our twenties and thirties and maybe forties. And at some point, depending on where you are in your journey, you realize you want to love yourself the way you might have as a kid. And some people had horrible upbringings and they didn't have that love as a child, but inner child work here as defined, uh, is talking about just like releasing ourselves from the shackles of what adulthood has made us. We have learned we have to learn everything as we grow. Children do that in two incredibly effective ways, experience and play. For adults who want to keep learning and growing joyfully to thrive in a fast-changing world, it might be time to reconnect with our inner child. No one's life is perfect. For some, reconnecting with a childlike learning learner might also require facing some more difficult emotions. Sometimes we learn lessons as a child that get in the way of open learning and adaption today. Adaptation today, that's where inner child work comes in. As children, we're, we act out our experiences, thoughts, feelings, and dreams through our play. Our creativity becomes the basis of how we prepare for the real world. Adolescence is a time of discovery, but it can also be painful. 
As we grow, we begin developing expectations of the world. Sometimes those expectations fail us. As, as people have talked about, psychologists have talked about how women experience more negative emotions when they go through puberty, probably a combination of the way society judges them, their body's changing, they're starting to get objectified, all these horrible things. And men or boys, when they we're going, going through puberty, feel something diff- different and yet similar, which is judgment from others, body changing, voice dropping, how embarrassing it is for young men when your voice starts to squeak and, and, and people kind of laugh and they mean well, but like, I couldn't imagine when I have kids how I'll act, but I want to nip those types of toxic behaviors in the bud where, where that could lead to body dysmorphia. But of course, we're all different and sometimes regardless of our intentions, we probably pass on toxic traits to our loved ones, right? Um, what is inner child work? Imagine that you're five years old. You're in school playing with the other children in your kindergarten while running around at the playground. You trip and fall. The other kids laugh at you. You may not remember exactly what happened. You may not even remember who was there or how old you were. But what you do remember is the feeling of shame, the tears in your eyes, the pain on your skin, knee. You may may even remember saying to yourself, I'm never going to make a fool out of myself like that again. The knee may have healed, but you're dragging the scars into adulthood. You're no longer in control. 20 or 50 years later, your inner five-year-old is still running the show. Even when it might work to your advantage to take a risk, you can't let go of what happened on the playground, even if you don't remember it. So just a brief reminder to everyone out there that when we talk about inner child work and when we talk about overcoming the imprints we have from society, that that uh, toxic exoskeleton of bitterness that we feel because we were dumped at a certain age or because we had um, acne as a child or our parents got divorced, whatever the issue may be, we have to remember A, Other people don't really give two shits about us, so just live your life. And B, you don't need to feel that shame. And the second we can shine the light on what it actually is, it just vanishes. It just vanishes and you can go on living a more authentic, meaningful life. And what might be more important to you is that you'll pass down some of that love to your children or your friends and your family, and you'll be a better version of yourself. And don't we all want that? All right, folks, let me know what you think regarding the self-improvement angle of the channel. You know, we never get any negative reviews. Dave just wants everyone to be happy. It's never that. It's always just, you know, someone gets triggered by a political statement. But it doesn't have to be that way, folks. We can still talk, right? Uh, Maybe not. I don't know. I just want a Bachelor News. Well, in that case, this next clip for you is all of the trailers I could compile on the Bachelor Instagram account preparing for tonight's episode. Now, don't forget, we've got the live stream at 7 p.m. East Coast, 4 p.m. Pacific, and directly after tonight's episode, episode. If you want to check in for a few minutes or join us, we'll play some music. We'll pop some champagne. Hey, maybe we'll drink some of Caitlin Bristow's wine that we have out there. So all of that is coming your way uh, on YouTube. You can go check that out. And I'll be back tomorrow for another episode of Bachelor Rush Hour. But before that, here's the uh, previews for tonight's episode of The Bachelor. Let's get into the let's get into the trailers. Here's our first one. Bachelor ABC posted this three days ago and said, "Let the limo entrances begin." So let's share this. Monday. Monday. Today. I licked it, so now it's mine. <laughs> the Bachelor is back. I thought we'd get the party started. Octavia. I have zero doubt that I met my wife tonight. And the drama starts night one. I don't want to know if you kiss. <gasps> I'm here for him. Have you ever heard of friendly competition? If this continues, I will leave. Love makes you crazy. <laughs> the Bachelor season premiere Monday on ABC. All right, that's tonight, folks. So let's see what else we have for different trailers here. Getting to know Zach. Three things that people don't really know about me. Number one is I used to be in a rock band. Wow. Two, 
I was a college football player for five years, and three, I have the two most adorable dogs back home, and Twix and Bella. My friends and family would describe me as a gentle giant. I'm 6'4", big dude, but I'm really just a big teddy bear. What made me say yes to The Bachelor was really the fact that I experienced love on the show. Now the roles are a little bit different and I get to be in the driver's seat. How cool of an opportunity is this? I'm just so grateful for it. I really believe I'll find my soulmate on this journey. All right, tonight on The Bachelor. Hey, look, I, there's some things I didn't know about Zach. Five years in college football, good for him. Let's see here. so serious about being a husband. He knows what he wants. These women are amazing. I still feel like this is like a dream. What I'm looking for is my best friend. Do I deserve this? I don't know, but I'm pretty damn happy. <laughs> Do I deserve this? Probably not. Should I be here? I don't think so. Will I take the paycheck? Absolutely. <laughs> Tears. We all want Zach so that claws are going to come out. I feel like a failure. I feel like I let myself down and I feel like I let the women down. When they say the claws will come out, I know that's a metaphor, but imagine if someone actually was like, and had claws. All I want is a chance with a good guy. I was not expecting that. All right, so there's that crying three days ago. There he is, and they say they just want a chance with a good guy. Let's see what Jesse Palmer has to say. What's up, Zach? Jesse Palmer here, giving you some advice on being The Bachelor. I guess my number one tip would be, don't try to be the perfect Bachelor because it's impossible to be that. Clayton's like, second that. Just be authentic and be yourself. All right, so my second tip would be to be vulnerable and really set the tone. When the women see you opening up, they're gonna wanna do the same and reciprocate. My last tip, this is probably the most important one. Don't forget anybody's name. Trust me on this one. I know from experience. Of course, Jesse, he called the wrong name at a rose ceremony. It happens to the best of us, Jesse. And then let's see more. We have more trailers here. Oh, good boy. Remembering when The Bachelor premieres. All right. Is this one of those? Okay, this is one of those. Um, not, a, not a real promo there. And then here's another TikTok of the women swiping left, apparently. There they are. Very excited to see them tonight. A very beautiful and I'm assuming, you know, charismatic class of women uh, here. No, no disgruntled females as far as I know, but hey, the, the night is young. I'm Zach, and I'm your next bachelor. Here's Zach. The first limo is about to pull up. Let's be honest. You might not be excited about a season, but when that first limo pulls up, that's kickoff, baby. I want my forever person. I want my partner. That's why I'm here. She had the audacity to steal Zach. So frustrating. That's shocking. And as we know, what will happen tonight is there'll be a whole, you know, bunch of people we're going to meet and we're going to forget their names and a lot of gags and gimmicks and it'll be whatever, not that interesting. And then at the end of tonight's episode, there will be like a three minute trailer for the season, which will show that things get a little hot and heavy. And as we know from past seasons, a lot of times the first 10 episodes don't have too much. We have our early season villains and I have to be careful when I say the V word because villain, of course, will lead people to be like, that person's the worst. Was Olivia that bad of a person? No. Was Sinead that bad? You may think so. Me personally, I don't. I don't. I think a lot of these people, we get the worst of them. We get uh, hungry, drunk, and fighting for love on national TV. Well, we made it to our destination, and I hope you did as well. Safe and secure, so let's get ready for tonight's episode of The Bachelor. 
Uh, maybe have a Starbucks, maybe a glass of red wine, maybe a charcuterie board, a salami rose sandwich. I don't know, whatever you need out there. Make sure you get it. I will be joining you on tonight's live stream. And then tomorrow for Bachelor Rush Hour, more content. Let me know what you guys think. Also, if you want to be featured on tomorrow's episode of Bachelor Rush Hour with your reaction to the episode, just dial 401-213-9828. That's the, po- that's the podcast Google voicemail number I have. And in under a minute, share your thoughts with me. 401-213-9828. All right, folks, I've been Dave Neal, and this was Bachelor Rush Hour. Bachelor Rush Hour.